Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Hallelujah. It's time for prosperity. Hallelujah. Are you ready for prosperity? Lift your hands up and ask the Lord to touch your life with prosperity. Oh, Father, we give you thanks. And we give you praise for what you have done for our lives today. We are so grateful. We are excited. Thank you. Payo Mandalama, Karamandola Bashandaraba. Oh, yes. We give you thanks. Oh, yes. Thank you for prosperity, for hearing our prayer, blessing us, Lord. Oh, yes. Mama Kabarandala, Lamando Ramandala, Paramandala Daride. Oh yes We pray for your grace And for your help Bless us Lord In this time Thank you Father In the name of Jesus Christ And everyone said Amen You may be seated Second Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read from verse 5 Second Peter chapter 1 and we are going to read from verse 5 it says besides this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to virtue add knowledge Amen. To virtue, add what? Knowledge. And to knowledge, add temperance. All right? Are you there? And to patience. Add godliness. Amazing. Verse 7. And then add to godliness brotherly kindness. All right? And then to brotherly kindness 
add what? Charity. Is that not so? And then verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. He that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now notice verse 8. Verse 8 of Second Peter chapter 1. It says, if these things be in you and abound, they make sure, all right, that you break out of the unfruitful unproductive and non-prosperous zones of life. Amen. Are you understanding? Yeah. Now can we change the version? And it says in another version, he, verse 8 of Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8, these qualities I are in you, they and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. Let's try another version. NIV. Useless or unfruitful is NASB. NIV, ineffective and unproductive. Amen. Ineffective and what? Unproductive. Now, what, what are the things I just want to give you a short lesson on prosperity. All right? And then we'll take an offering. But let's listen to this. You see, this scripture is sharing with us that if there are certain qualities or traits in you, they ensure that you are effective or protect you from being ineffective and then unproductive. All right? So, many traits, all right, um, make you poor or unproductive. And there are many traits that make you productive or, if you like, prosperous or rich or, um, yeah, productive. Barrenness speaks of Dryness, empty fields, no produce coming out from you. And you see that in your spiritual life, right, certain characteristics are necessary for prosperity or for productivity, which can be, you can equate to prosperity or doing well. How many want to do well? All right. Now, usually, we talk about giving. Give, 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 give. And you, it shall be given to you. Very good. But there are things also, the Bible teaches us, that when you do these things, you are productive. Amen. Now, there is a chapter in my book, He That Hath, which is uh, chapter 4. Uh, by now, you should all have the books. 
How many have all the books? How many don't have all the books? You should have all, all to all, all right? Now, in chapter 4, I really like this particular chapter because it is um, based on a research that was done by different, different groups, all right? And they were trying to find what are the causes of intractable poverty. What, what causes the difficulties to come into the system? Are you with me? Now, in this chapter, it says, in the United States, the most commonly held view of poverty is that people become poor because of personal traits that they have. Personal what? Traits. Traits, Characteristics of you in your life. That's the most common view of poverty. Like where there is poverty, commonly people who have done research have come to the conclusion that it is your personal traits that lead to your poverty. Not the, not the traits of the country that you are in or not the conditions of the nation in which you are. But it is your personal traits. I'm, I'm reading the book to you. It's in the book. But since you may not read it, I have to read it to you. You get what I'm saying? It, it is the most common belief by researchers that poverty is that people become poor because of personal traits like how you are. It is believed that these traits cause a person to fail in life. The traits that lead to poverty range from personality issues to other traits like laziness and even educational levels. So I'll explain that line. The traits that lead to poverty range from personality issues like your personality, phlegmatic, choleric, sanguinous, and melancholic. Those traits, okay, in a person. That's personality issues. And to other traits like laziness. This is from the research. why, Why would you do research to find out? Okay. For instance, uh, they, if they want to find out what is causing, let's say, cancer, they, they would check thousands of people who have developed cancer or whatever, and then they try to find. So, for instance, they found out that uh, 60% of cancer of the breast, do you see, can be linked to weight, obesity. 
Yes. In the UK, I saw headlines. So, but because they don't, nobody really knows why. In cancer uh, issues, one time, I was talking to a, a judge. The judge was telling some people to calm down. You know, because he had had cancer and that it comes from a lot of stress. You know, a lot of issues, stressful issues and so on. Take your time. You know, it's not necessary. Always fighting. Are you getting it? Cancer of the stomach. Nobody knows where that. They did a lot of cancer and they found out that people who eat a lot of raw fish do you see, like, like in Japan. In Japan, they eat fish. Like, it's just from the sea, and it's put on the plate, and then you eat it. And then it's working. You get it? No frying, no nothing. You just eat it. And they found that a lot of people who had cancer of their stomach was connected to that. And there are many cancers they found out smoking and drinking, smoking and drinking, smoking and drinking, smoking and drinking. It's whatever. Then, for instance, with smoking, I mean, I remember many times flying on KLM and as other such planes, and um, the people, the best people around you are smoking. Everybody in the plane smoking. They are smoking section and non-smoking. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if you if you if you remember, but I remember somebody's in front of you smoking. The the smoke is coming on you. <sighs> And then it's, it's coming. But then they found out that one third of the people who smoke die from breast ca- uh, lung cancer. One, two, three, 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 like that. So now they have a big sign smoking kills. So you do research to find the cause. Are you there? Okay, so now they took poor people. I said, we are now going to see why people are poor. So then they found out. Okay, just like how they do the medical research. Okay, that personal traits seems to be the main reason why people are poor. Not even the traits of the country that you are in. Because you see, normally they're told, oh, if you are in Ghana, you'll be poor. If you are in America, you'll be rich. If you are in where? England. You'll be cool. If you are in Nigeria, you'll not be okay. And so on and so forth. You get it. But from the research, you see, and I think you, you have source, Green Maya something, 2006, Journal of Development Studies, something, something. It's in the book. You can go and check yourself. All right. So they found out that more of personal traits, and they were mentioning now personalities, now you find that phlegmatics tend to be poor. Sanguines tend to scatter their money and they have a lot of parties. They are happy people. It's a nice thing that sanguines are the nicest. I mean, they are always happy. It's nice to have a sanguine. And their melancholics are very arranging, calculating. You know, it's not so easy for a melancholic to send you to go and buy bread. Before he's asking for the change. Do you see? And uh, <laughs> you may not be so happy because everything is uh, pepe, it has to be exact. So when you go out of line 
Hey, it's not easy to marry a melancholic. Yeah. I know somebody who used to, you know, the husband told me, he said, look, can you believe that when I enter my house, as I'm walking, they sweep behind me, they sweep the, they're sweeping the dust behind me. It's like, you are bringing death into the house. So he's sweeping and cleaning as you are entering the house. That's melancholic. And then cholerics are driven. They are driven. They have something like an internal engine that makes them move and they drive and they fight on and fight forward. But if a choleric is combined with a sanguine, they're driving forward and it moves to scatter. So you drive forward and scatter. So that's a choleric sanguine. You get what I'm saying? (laughs) And then the choleric melancholic, it drives forward and arranges the things and keeps things and going. So the choleric melancholic may be the most able to prosper. <laughs> yeah. But not necessarily the happiest. The sanguines will be happily enjoying things. Yes. So the sanguines are happy. They are just flowing. And like there's no problem in the world. The phlegmatics are okay with everything. So if they are poor, so there's nothing I cannot endure. There's nothing I cannot endure. There's nothing I cannot endure. If there's no food, there's nothing I cannot endure. They flow with it. You get it. So, that I'm just trying to show you the research. The research is lining up with my scripture that I brought. Second Peter, from verse, chapter 1, verse 5. He said, from verse 5, it says, Now that you are saved, uh, be diligent. If you like, change the version. Maybe NIV will help you to understand it better. All right? Better and better. Okay, for this reason, make every effort, okay, to add to your faith goodness. So there must be something good, okay? Good things. And then, to goodness, add knowledge. All right? And a, a choleric may be more driven to get the uh, knowledge. Okay, then verse 6 says, and to knowledge add self-control. Aha, sanguine may not be so self-controlled. Sanguines are more known to even have certain fleshly sins and so on. Because it's like, before you realize, they are just loving everyone. You get it? And then to self-control, perseverance. Perseverance will be found more in a choleric. Do you see? More... uh, determined and to perseverance godliness you know all the things of godliness all all ungodliness disperses money sin is expensive sin is expensive you've got a new girlfriend and you've got to spend some money the current girlfriends they need money you know sin is very expensive tell your neighbor sin is expensive eh? now those of us who don't smoke we don't have so many expenses you have to buy, uh, what are the cigarettes? 555. Do they Tosca for men? And what other? Rothman's cigars. We don't have all those bills. But people who are into smoking, they have 50 cigarettes a day. One packet. And one packet of cigarettes, you'll be shocked how much one packet costs. Okay? Then drinking is also expensive. I mean, I don't know how much is a whiskey. How much is whiskey? If you want to buy a bottle of whiskey, how much does it cost? Does anybody know? Google it, please. So you are all pretending. I don't know. 
Google it right now. Take your phone and Google it and let us know how much is one bottle of whiskey. Cost of a bottle of whiskey. $25. Jack Daniels. Johnny Walker is what? $35. That the whole bottle. Uh, it's not so expensive. $35 doesn't sound much. Okay. $700. 700 mils. Okay. Jack Daniels. $110. For what? $135 for $1,475 for what? 25 year old single malt scotch whiskey 750 ml 1,000 something dollars yeah so sin is expensive you get it? yeah so before you realize, you got a whole lot of expenses coming into your life because of your um, sins, your many sins, okay? Now, let's say you are into other things. You go, you now need pampas, uh, adult pampas. And then uh, you need pampas, adult pampas. You know, that's also expensive. I don't know how much are pampas. How much are pampers? How much a bag of pampers for for children, for babies? Huh? No, let's start the baby one first and then we move to the adult one. We can extrapolate. Huh? $120. 20 CDs for a pack of pampers. Small one. And then so then the big one will cost how much? It's a big pamper. Can you imagine a man spreading from here to here? It's a big thing. With a big whatever. <laughs> you change it twice a day. <laughs> no, a lot of a lot of the things we do are ex- expensive, you know. So godliness leads to helps you in your prosperity. Oh yes. Godliness helps your prosperity. Okay? Godliness helps your prosperity. You no longer have to take a car to Kumasi to go and see somebody and come back and tell lies that you were doing uh, some field work at agriculture station somewhere. Meanwhile, you were in Kumasi taking Ubers and what have you, doing bad things. Hmm? So to add to your faith, uh, to perseverance, godliness, verse 7, and says, and then add godliness, mutual affection. Hey, that one too is what? <laughs> what does the King James say? Mutual affection. Brotherly love. Uh-huh. Brotherly love. You must have love. When you don't have brotherly love, you lose real lovers. You lose lovers. Because you don't have real love. You don't have love. Because you are not into brotherly love. You are into sexual love. Yeah. 
you must be able to relate with somebody as a brother or a sister in Christ. Brotherly love is something. Because we have so many brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, how can you have a sexual relation with so many people? How does it help? Ask your neighbor, how is it going to help? So you need to develop brotherly love rather than sexual love. Do you see? Ask your neighbor, how many people are you interacting with sexually? Huh? It's expensive. It's expensive. All right? Is it expensive? Sexual love is expensive. I mean, you're expensive. You marry, you have to have a, what do you call it? No, I mean, even to marry, to have sexual love, you have to do engagement. It's expensive. Knocking and all the things, you have to pay. Yeah. A man who has daughters, he has a lot of uh, things to receive. Yeah. I mean, even those of us who don't have, I mean, none of my daughters have got my, but my church daughters, I, I will be charging fees in the, in the office there for them. Yes, you are coming to marry my daughter. I have the key to her heart. Before I release the key. Yes, I have to charge. I'm just joking. Oh, don't go and put it on the desk that he says he charges whatever, whatever. Oh, shame on you. Shame, shame. Allow us to be happy. Yeah. So, brotherly kindness and then to brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, eh? Uh, when you are kind, your kindness may be remembered one day. Yes. You know, uh, a brother, I called a brother the other day and I told him, you see this pastor, I want you to do something for him, for me. He's a good brother. And then and the brother said, I'll, I'll do it. This man has been kind to you. He said, he has been very kind to you, I know. So it has also the same thing occurred to me. And I realized that kindness leads to prosperity. When you are kind to somebody, you know, um, sometimes, not always, sometimes people remember. and say, this man was very kind to you. You don't even know why. But I was surprised that the brother told me that it seems we are thinking about the same thing. He said, because that's exactly what occurred to me. I said, do this for him. You know? And he said, yes, I will. Because I remember this man has been very kind to you. So brotherly kindness, and it, it has to do with prosperity. Brotherly kindness, it leads to prosperity. All right? So I'm reading the research. In America, it is believed that it is always the individual's fault when he fails to climb out of poverty. You are climbing out of poverty in the name of Jesus. Amen. Another, number four, another generally held belief is that poor people are poor because of their own failings. 
Therefore, poor people should not be compensated and assisted by the state. People feel that the state shouldn't help uh, people who are poor. And this is the research because it is the people's fault, not the state. Well, that's all the research is. It is apparent that poor people and poverty are generally viewed in a negative light. Poverty is therefore viewed as something to be attacked and eradicated. Poverty is going out of your life today. Unfortunately, the negativity towards poverty leads to an extension of negativity towards poor people themselves. All right? Then there is another one which is called intractable poverty. What's intractable? Intractable. I want somebody to bring the meaning of that word, intractable. It's like something that cannot be moved. Okay? Intractable poverty. Amen. Is it next week that is Swollen Sunday? Okay. Now, intractable poverty is explained. Intractable. Aha, uh-huh. put it back, put it there. Not tractable, not easily governed or managed poverty. Eh? Not or directed, indisposed to be taught. It cannot be taught, disciplined, tamed. It's violent, stubborn, refractory as an intractable child. Mercy. So they are talking about intractable poverty. Put it up again. Poverty that is, put it up again, please. Please be active and be very alert up there. Otherwise, I'll change you. Today will be your last day. Not tractable, not easily governed, managed or directed. All right? Indisposed to be taught. So the poverty cannot be taught or tamed. All right? Violence, stubborn. So, you know, a lot of teachings go into changing your life. You know, and making you a prosperous person. So prosperity is not just about giving. Prosperity is about your personal traits. Are you with me? So 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 in the NIV. All right? 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. It says in the NIV, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they keep you, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So generally, we see that these qualities cause you to be protected from being ineffective and unproductive. How many want to be effective and productive? Okay, very good. Now, intractable poverty is explained by a lack of knowledge and a lack of good skills. Again, knowledge and then good skills in conjunction with laziness. So, knowledge helps you. So, you'd be surprised that coming to church and listening carefully to the word of God, okay, gives you knowledge. But they found out that people who are, have intractable poverty, lack knowledge. How many have learned new things every time you come to church? Even like what I'm sharing now, I mean, this is research about poverty. And that it is related to 
related and connected to certain things. And it is research that they've done. But our Bible is already teaching us that if you want to be productive and effective, you know, you need some positive traits. So go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Verse 5. These are, for this effort, make add to your faith a positive trait. Okay? So faith is a positive trait. Add another positive trait called goodness. Add another positive trait, knowledge, which is what the research is showing, that lack of knowledge causes intractable poverty. Yeah. So he's saying add knowledge, like know more things. Do you see? Then add to knowledge self-control, which is another positive trait. Do you see? These are all positive traits. Then another positive trait, self-control. Self-control is an important positive trait. Do you see? Perseverance is yet another positive trait. If you are in an aeroplane and uh, a storm is bashing the plane, the plane is turning this way, turning that way, it's trying to go down, and, so that, and you have a pilot who has a positive trait of perseverance and he's persevering to try to control the plane and so on, would you prefer such a pilot to somebody who just says, look, (laughs) I mean, who just says, hey, it's not everything we can fight. Do you see? It's not everything we can fight. You see? And just leaves the plane. No, I don't think so. You know, some years ago there was a, there was a, a, a pilot in, in a plane and uh, this pilot, you know, uh, went out to the toilet. Do you see? He went to the toilet in the plane. So when he went to the toilet, you know, they closed the door to the pilot's side. So, because the toilet's outside. So he went, came to use the toilet. When he came to use the toilet, the co-pilot or so, either the co-pilot went out or the pilot went out. The co-pilot, it's a true story, took the plane, do you see, and took the plane down. Yes. Was it the pilot or the co-pilot? It was the co-pilot. Yes. He took the plane down. Now, Maybe the pilot was phlegmatic and said, look, there's nothing I cannot endure. And then allowed the co-pilot to lead them down. So he, he took them down into the ocean. Yes. And, uh, you know, my friend uh, told me, it was in the middle, the middle, 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 middle of the Atlantic Ocean, very deep. So my friend told me that they took, he had a friend who had a, a relative was on that plane, sister or brother or somebody, they took them in a ship to the place and gave them a flower to throw into the water. Goodbye. Yeah. Now, as the pilot was taking the thing down, you know, somebody may have even broken the door. But if you have somebody with a trait of, the, the, the trait 
personality trait of phlegmatic. You see, a phlegmatic says there is nothing I can't endure. <laughs> what the rush? By all means, we will land. Or by all means, everybody will die. If we die today, why not? Would you like such a person as your pilot? No. So, you see, your traits, your personality traits, they really affect you. They, they really affect prosperity. They really affect your productivity in this life. You know, that's what the research is trying to show. And beginning from today, your personality is going to be declared a very good personality. Amen. Now, notice number two, point number two under intractable poverty. It says that intractable poverty is notably caused by laziness which is characterized by number one, a low interest in a good life. Mm -hmm. A low interest in what? A good life. You must have a desire to have a good life. Starting with a good marriage to a happy person. Anybody who is in a relationship and the person who is in your, you are in a relationship with, there is tension in, as a beloved. I will advise you to break up by, I'll give you uh, what? It's one o'clock. By 8 p.m. today. There's tension. You know, one day I asked a brother who had got a, a second beloved. He had the first one, but now he got a second one. So I asked him that, what is the difference between this beloved and the last one? He said, oh, there's no tension. That's the difference. The main difference is that there's no tension. There's no tension at all. He said, that one, there's always tension. There's something wrong. Maybe he stayed too long or he stayed too late or he's this or that or something that has to be sorted out. It's not a good relationship. It's not a good relationship. I'm telling you in advance. I'm telling you in advance. I need you to break up by 8 o'clock this evening. Yes. Yes, by this evening, you must make sure that it's over. Hmm? And somebody knows why I'm saying what I'm saying. You know what? I don't know anybody in any relationship that there's tension, but you know yourself. Yeah. So you must have a desire, a, you know, a low interest for good life. It's a bad thing. Then you must have a desire for a, a nice wedding. But that, a wedding is not life. A wedding is just two hours a celebration. Life begins in the honeymoon. So you must have a high interest in a good honeymoon experience. Where you have pictures and memories that will last a lifetime. Because you never have a second chance to get a first impression. Yes. Then you must have a good interest, an, an interest, not a, a low interest in a good life. So a high interest in a good life of doing well, fulfilling your dreams and visions or calling, whatever it is. You must have a, a high interest in the finishing. You must be driven. To complete and fulfill your life's calling, your vision, whatever it, your vision was, 
your visions and dreams, your callings from God. You know? You can't have a low interest. Uh, I don't mind anything. I mean, some of you, if a banker wants to marry you, you say yes. If a pastor, yes. If a, even a fetish priest may come and you say, still say yes. It's like everybody, you say yes. It's like you have a low interest in fulfilling your desire to serve God. Then you must also not have a low interest, do you see, in a good life. You must have an interest in a good life. You can't always fetch water to bath always. Of your life. You get what I'm saying? Like there, is some, there is something higher than that. Like fetching water to bath with a bucket. I mean fetch water with a bucket to bath every day. Like you have done it from school. Ah, and it's like you continue until yes. There, there, are, there, are, there, is, there is a level of life where you, you don't fetch water. Like when you turn the tap on, it comes. Receive that grace in the name of Jesus. Yes. And, and you must also desire a toilet that when you flush, I mean, that, first of all, that it flashes. Because we have wooden toilets. Wooden toilets with buckets. Oh, yes. I used to visit a friend and the only toilet in his house was a wooden like this, with a bucket. And every day somebody comes for the bucket. Oh yes. Full of diarrhea, full of everything. Oh yes. There are, look, there are higher lives. Receive something higher than that bucket. Yes. A large percentage of uh, houses in Ghana don't have toilets. Uh, a large percentage. Your house receives a toilet now. Yes. Now you've been sweating every night. Yes. You see, a, desi- a, a lack of interest in a good life. Now, if you look at your bed, you see that it is wet in the night. When you wake up, it dries before you come back. But every day, it's as if it is being washed. <laughs> Oh, yes. I hope you are listening to me. I'm I'm reading, it says, a low interest in a good life. A good life includes seeing a lion in your lifetime. You must at least see a lion. So, wow, this is lion. (laughs) This is what? Lion. And then an elephant. This is what? Elephant. I've seen one. You are here, you've not seen a lion before. Eh? How many have never seen a lion before, like a real lion? You've only seen it in movies. Lift your hand. Where did you see a lion? Lift your hand. You have not seen one before. Lift your hand. You'll be seeing one soon. And at least it will either be, you'll be safe, not that it's chasing you. And I don't mean the lion of Judah, and I don't mean the devil following you like a lion. I mean, a real lion. You see that this is a lion. This is a lion. All the things you've seen in this life are on your phone. Or on the internet. 
there's a higher life. You see people driving uh, safari cars and they are sitting in and they are looking. You will soon be on one of those safari cars. You must have a higher interest in a good life. Yes. You hear the word Paris, 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 Paris. Ah. When will you be taking pictures in Paris? You'll soon be there. You'll soon be there. And actually having a desire, a lot, a low interest, but a higher interest in a good life leads to prosperity. Yeah. That you would have thought that it's, it's okay. But you, you go to places and they are not interested in something better. Yeah. Number two, passivity. Yes, these are negative traits. A lack of motivation and initiative. A lack of what? And initiative. Initiative means you initiate things. You are married, you never initiate sex. Initiative. (laughs) It causes poverty, a lack of initiative. It causes a poverty of happiness, of life. Yes. Lack of initiative and motivation. I don't remember who, which it is, but I will not quote, but I will tell you. I don't know, I don't remember who told me, but I suspect. Anyway, uh, they went towards a farm. They, they gathered the farmers. I, I don't know which country, but I think the country's name starts with a G. <laughs> so they gathered the farmers and they gave them uh, either a fertilizer or uh, a, a variant of the tree, of the plant that produces more fruits. More fruits. Okay. So like it produced about two or three times more. So when they gave it to them, so instead of like, you see that all the big farm, two, ten, hundred acres, it produced uh, whatever, maybe if it produced hundred baskets, with this one, they produced uh, 500 or 300, 500 or 300 uh, baskets or 300 uh, fruits. So when the farmers saw that it produces 300 fruits. Instead of planting the 100 acres, they decided to plant 30. Yes, that was the response. I mean, truly, practically. So, because the 100 acres, which was uh, now supposed to give 300 or to 500 baskets, now we don't need to do it because one tree produces three times to five times more. So they reduce what they planted to about 30 acres. It's a true story. And I'm sure those who are into agriculture will tell you. So yeah, they, they don't need it anymore. Lack of motivation and passivity. So that, well, we've got what we have. When we make more and we get more, what do we do with it? We are okay here. Everton is okay. Huh? 
And then I'm seeing here number D, low, a low intellect. Mm. So check your GPA. Check your GPA. Check your results. Yes. Low GPA. You can't be failing in school. You never fail again. Referrals. What do they call it now? Resets. Trails. Tell your neighbor, I'll never trail, I'll never reset. I'll never, I'll never, do, I'll never need to do an exam again. In the name of Jesus. All through my years in university, I cannot remember ever failing any exam. I can remember almost failing, but I can't remember failing. Almost failing is different from failing. How can you improve your intellect? When we say read, you will not read. Do you know what? To make you start reading, maybe you should get comics and read. I used to read a lot of comics. I read books when I was a child. Many books. And every one of you, anyway, if you are, you are too late read. Make sure you find out the books that children are supposed to read. Books, comics, even Tintin. Uh, if you read Tintin, you'll be educated about many places in the world. Because Tintin will go adventures in here, adventures in here. He goes to many places, even the moon. Tintin went to the moon. Yeah. Asterix. If you read Asterix, you'll also be educated. There are many things. Because those things were written by very intelligent people. And they reveal other cultures. So you grew up never reading. Eating now. The low intellect. Yes. It's affecting you. Yeah. You know, one day, somebody resigned from his job. And I said to myself, this person lacks intelligence. But if he had more intelligence beyond a certain point, he would never have resigned. I just looked and said, oh, this guy lacks intelligence. What he's doing doesn't make sense. So sometimes intelligence, low intellect leads to poverty. In, in even making you resign from something you shouldn't resign, it can even reveal your lack of intelligence. Amazing. We are having church, you know. Yes. We are having church. Yes. Yes. It reveals... Lack of intelligence. What you are doing, it will, it will never go well for you. It's a stupid thing you are doing. 
tell your neighbor, my brain is bigger than a groundnut. Now imagine your brain as small as one groundnut like that. That means that the rest of the things in your head is water. And then, E, I hope you are all reading the book with me. Dependency thinking. Yeah, dependency thinking. And reliance on assistance from others. Yes. And I'm going to end with that. Dependency thinking. These are negative traits. All these negative traits, based on their research, these negative traits lead to difficulty and poverty. So, today, God is trying to show you um, that you can have a life in which you are not thinking of how somebody somewhere is going to give you what you need. When you see me taking offerings, anywhere, at any time, in any church, you will think there's always a crisis through or for which I'm taking an offering. Because I always do it seriously. There's no crisis, but I'm taking it seriously. Amen. I'm not thinking of, oh, I'll get money from somewhere. No. My mind is that the money is going to come from the people sitting there. God will use them to provide and pay for everything that we need. That is why foreigners come to Ghana and become rich here. You know, there are many Lebanese people in India, but even let me stay with Lebanese. They, they were born in Ghana. Their parents are, were born in Ghana. Their grandparents were born in Ghana. Their great-grandparents were born. They've been in Ghana all their lives. Many, many. They find Ghana better to, to prosper here. Yeah. So, the place that you are thinking that I need help from outside, there are many people who want a Ghanaian passport. Huh? Whilst you want a British passport, a German passport, many people want a Ghanaian passport. I know many people who want a Ghanaian passport. Yeah. A Ghanaian passport is a very valuable, valuable passport. Instead of thinking, I'm going to get money from somewhere, right here. And you can see most of the governments in certain countries, their minds are completely 100% this way, dependency. Dependency on loans, dependency on gifts, dependency on outsiders, not what is here. And it is one of the causes of intractable, that's untreatable poverty. And that's why the poverty in Ghana has not been treated by whichever government comes. The governments come, the governments go, governments come. Everybody comes with various plans, but the dependency thinking is there, waiting for help from someone, a loan, a gift, a grant, an outside, always from somewhere. Do you see? Yeah. 
reliance on assistance from others. So, brothers and sisters, reliance on assistance from others. These are things that really lead to poverty. They are negative traits that lead to poverty. Negative what? Traits. Put my scripture up, beautiful scripture. Will you remember this scripture? Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Eh? From 5 to 8, but, but look at verse 8. It says, for if you possess these what? Qualities are traits. Traits. Qualities are traits. If, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being what? Ineffective and unproductive. Yeah. These are not good things. And it's all it's in simple English, poverty. They prevent you from being ineffective and unproductive in the, in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening? So today, God is giving you in your hand. I've given you today something that if your heart is opener, you see that you can really prosper anywhere. Yeah. And you will, you will not really be afraid of where you go. You know, I've seen poverty in England and I've seen poverty in Ghana. I remember in England times of real poverty. You see, you, may, you prefer the poverty here because it's different. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I believe that God is imparting to you powerful traits that are going to really make you prosper wherever you are planted. Wherever you are planted, that is where God is going to bless you and establish you. Amen. So today as we come to give our offering, I want you to pray from the bottom of your heart that Lord, whatever trait there is in me that leads to poverty, Are you with me? That leads to what? Poverty. How many feel that I've mentioned some traits that you have that lead to poverty? I mean, poverty traits. Did you notice any poverty traits? I think we should stand and pray about it before we give any offering. Yes. Every standing. Father, thank you. In the name of Jesus, lift your hand and pray, Lord, let every trait and characteristic let every characteristic trait of poverty go away from my life right now in the name of Jesus Christ Jeleman, Raymond, Delize, Rambelede, Lambrede, Calambrana, Shanalime, De Beredo, Lamandarine. Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. All traits of poverty, traits of poverty, traits that lead to poverty. Lift your hand and 
mention some of the particular and low interests in a good life. Mercy. Mando Shandala Maka Balandola Mandala. Oh Marendo Laramba Lejibo Lemende. Poraman Baline Ramananda Lebedele. Dele Marambalando Lebe Remanzi Shemandelede. Parola le parola le parola le. Holy hands, holy hands, holy hands. Lord, we pray away all negative traits, negative qualities that lead to poverty, negative traits and negative qualities, negative behaviors, negative patterns. That lead to poverty. Malada shana mandala da. Marendo la mandali shembolo na rimandala da. Larama sharaba da la mandala 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 mandala. Mama 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 Lift your hands. Pray to the Lord. Lord, take away from my life negative traits that lead to intractable poverty. Poverty that cannot easily be dismissed, dispensed with, or sacked. Or removed in Jesus' name. Mala Marakala Mashana Meda Vedele Andele Marala Mandari Andele Mamara Mala Marandali Dole Vedele Ramandala Mandole Mandara Lavanade Homarama Sora Malanda Somaralanda Nora Mala Shime Medele Mandola Mandala Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Sit down for a moment. I want you to take a small piece of paper and I want you to write the number one trait in your life that you feel has contributed to poverty in your life. Can I have some back buckets here? We are, we are going to leave these things before the Lord. You see, most of the time, they don't say all these parts. Most of the time, we talk about give, give. Sow a seed and pay your tithes. You'll be rich. You'll be bad. The Bible is also showing us clearly that if these qualities in increasing measure are possessed by Christians, do you see? They ensure 
that you are kept from being ineffective and you are kept from being unproductive. Some of us, I tell you, it's your personality, you see, that leads to poverty in your life. Some of us, laziness. Some of us, what are the qualities they wrote there? Huh? Dependency thinking. Dependency thinking. That's why many children of rich people are not prosperous. Because they grow up having received everything. You know, my pastor friend from South Africa, when he came to Ghana for the first time in around 1994-95, he said that he found Ghanaians very industrious, working. Everybody selling ground, not plantain, doing something, a tailor, doing whatever. But he said that in South Africa, they, they, it was because of the apartheid. Those things were not there. Like a black person just rises up and set up his own business. It was not there. So you see that personally, when everything is done for you, because the, the South Africa that we know, it was built by the white people. And everything was just provided. So now that they are in charge, they are destroying the whole country. Whether they accept it or not, without, what are they doing? We are all watching it. But you see that when everything is done for you, sometimes it's not a good thing. And that's why sometimes people who are not nouveau rich, they are not newly rich, they really allow their children to also suffer and work hard. They don't just give them things. You work, you just work. Uh, there's nothing for it. It lets them prosper. Rather than just giving them everything. Are you listening? So take out the number one trait. And we are going to throw away that trait. Have I got the buckets? Oh, it's coming. All right. And then, yeah. I want us to pray for jobs. Again, I feel, how many want a job? Yeah. Lord, provide. Amen. There are some of you here, God is trying to strengthen you so that when you have a, a, a new job, the job will not destroy you. But if you don't take care, you, your job that you have will lead you to go and sleep with somebody at the workplace. You know, one man was boasting. He said, I've slept with every, he was the managing director. I've slept with every woman. It was only one woman that he had not slept with. Yes. Everybody's wife and every woman who was working in, in that organization. And it's part of his boasting. Huh? So, God forbid that when you get your new job, if you meet something like that, you will reject it in Jesus' name. Tell your neighbor, it's impossible. I cannot fall for such evil. Amen. Amen. But 
first of all, a trait, you see, ungodliness, sleeping with people, with your boss or whoever, does not lead to prosperity. Initially, you may get some promotion. But before you realize, your boss has been transferred. And you have to sleep with the next one too. But it's quite a task. You get it? Before you realize, you are developing rashes. And your whole skin is becoming like something else. Lift your negative trait. Lift it up. It's going away from you. Every negative trait. Have you written it down? Don't write your name by it, please. In case somebody reads it and sees that your negative trait is whatever. Before you realize they are coming to you. Lift your hands. Father, thank you. Symbolically and in prophetic language, we take this negative characteristic and we throw it away it will never be associated with us again in the name of Jesus Christ Amen now come to the front and just put I think they are struggling to find just put it on the carpet here come and just put it and say when you put away forever say away forever away forever there's only one bucket so just put it on the carpet over there in front just on the red carpet not on the steps on the carpet Away forever. Away forever. Say away forever. Away forever. Away forever. Away forever. Away forever. Away forever. Away from my life forever. Whatever has destroyed your prosperity in the name of Jesus, away forever and forever. Away forever and forever. Just throw it on the floor in the name. That's where it deserves to go. You have thrown away ungodliness. You have thrown away laziness, temperamental behavior, bad behavior, dependency thinking, relying on assistance, and all negative characteristics and qualities are being thrown away in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Low intellect, low intellect. You are throwing it away. Low intelligence. You are throwing it away. In the name of Jesus Christ. Malanda, Malandalana, Malonde, Teremino, Tambaralana, Shamalandare. Receive grace from above. Receive grace from above to do away with all negative traits. Receive supernatural help from God to put aside forever all negative characteristics qualities traits amashamba sandola merele randa zandalada lamada shekele tomenderele sanriambele nidoshimba marondele debe tambala darinalida lamada away forever away forever away forever away for everyone standing everyone standing and thanking God it's away forever. Malombre zanda shamanole makabalanda rada, lamba kabalanda rada, malongere shimbala, 
Away forever. Maybe you were a thief and has caused you to lose favor and lose job. Maybe you are a liar, it has caused you to lose favor. Maybe you are wicked, it has caused you to lose favor. All those traits. Father, thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the end of intractable poverty has come into our lives. We command and take control over all forms of impoverization in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Sit down. Now, listen, I am pastoring you. What I'm doing is shepherding. Jobs. This is not the offering, but I want you to sow a seed for a job. Take an envelope or anything you have, the money you have. I want us to pray about job. You have a job, you want another job, you don't have a job, let's pray for it. We are praying. Take out a seed. This is not the offering. I'll take the offering afterwards. But in this, what is in this one? No, no. Can I have this one emptied here? Pour it on over here. This is the job offering. In the last couple of weeks, we've prayed about jobs and I've been hearing a lot of testimonies. Many people have sent me messages. It's getting jobs, jobs, jobs. A lot of testimonies. So, I'm believing God with you. Please, and I beg you, when the job comes, it's not that you are now going to start backsliding or sleeping with the people in the job. Hold your neighbor's belt and say, never unlock. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Anyone who is believing God for a job, better job, whatever, take your special seed. Can I have this basket here? I see only one here. Okay, there's only one, so bring it here. I think there are some more people on this side who need jobs. This side or this side? Who needs jobs? This side. But it's just, this is just a special prayer. You know, do you know something that happens? When you get a job, then these traits start working. Stupidity, lack of intelligence, uh, dependence, thinking, reliance, laziness, temperament, pride. A lot of things work in the job. That's why some people advance in their job and some people are foolish in their jobs. The same job. All right, the buckets have arrived finally from the storehouse. Father, we pray, lift your hand and pray, those who are praying with people. We pray for good jobs. Provide the best. Let your children be at the highest places. I said, let your children be at the highest places. I'm not hearing any amen. Amen. Let your children be at the highest places. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.
come and plant your job jobs offering special we are praying for jobs amen may you have testimonies 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 maybe it's a business I don't know jobs business whatever believe God believe God And online, you also, please, those of who are watching online for jobs, all right, right there. We have a different way of um, giving. Ghana and International is right on the screen. Uh, Vodafone and whatever in Ghana. And uh, outside, there's still International, there's a number. There's even a bank account, so you can use the bank. When you wire money to the bank of the church, uh, expect that one day money will be wired into your account. Yeah. Some of you, you see the bank account that you've never used it before. It's like, oh, I don't need a bank. I don't need a bank account for anything. It's not. I mean, I don't know why they even put it there. So you, are, you don't be surprised that no one has ever transferred money to your account before. Yes. Yes. What? You see, we don't realize how true the principles are. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Yeah. And you see the bank account, the first life, it has never occurred to you that I need my church's bank account so that I can wire or transfer money. How can money be transferred to your account? And when will it happen? Hmm? Neighbor, ask your neighbor. Neighbor, you know, you, you don't understand the, pre- the preaching. All right, all right. Now let's take out our offerings for today. Tithe offerings, your seed, your special seed. Yes, some ashes can tidy up the thing here. Tidy up the, but don't put it into the offering. Just tidy it up a bit. It's been tidied up on this side. Tidy it up and then, oh yes. Father, we present our offering to you today. Our tithes, our offerings, 
Give everything you can give right away. God is going to bless you. Your life is never going to be the same. Father, bless everyone as we give. We thank you. We are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, 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 in the beginning you were there, and you saw the world being created, without you nothing was made, everything was made by you. You are so full of love 
And you are so kind, full of truth, and yet so full of grace. You know all my sins, all my shortcomings, yet you look at me with those loving eyes and so much tenderness. Oh, oh, oh. So lovely, Lord. 
Hallelujah. Are you alive? I didn't really feel your hand clap. I didn't really feel your shouting. I didn't really feel your excitement to be in church. Amen. So I think we are hearing a powerful message on first love. And I pray that the spirit of first love will be imparted to you in Jesus' name. And some of you don't even say amen. You have to learn how to behave when you come to church. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 2. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 2. The Bible says, Ezra brought the law before the congregation. So this was Pastor Ezra and there was a church, a congregation. And all that could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Next. And then he read before the street 
before the water gate, before the men and the women. This was the church. And those that could understand. How many of you can understand the preaching? Amen. And the ears, this is the first way to behave in church, that the ears of the people were attentive to the book, the Bible that was being read. Their ears, lay hands on your ears and say, I open my ears in Jesus' name. Now, I want to teach you something. When you're in church and you see somebody's on their phone, I went to stand at the back, I saw some people on their phone, somebody's writing something, somebody got up to go and answer a call outside. You have to tap the person next to you and say, did you hear what they said? Please be attentive to the book of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, please be attentive. Verse 4. And Ezra stood upon a pulpit of wood. Now, in Ezra's day, they didn't have glass, but glory be to God, we have a pulpit of glass. Amen. Can you, you know, this general middle area, generally, I find more excitement here. I find more excitement here. But with respect, this general area is a difficult area to preach to. I must be honest. Allow me, I'm taking my time. Then, when they made, the, the, the Bible says that the pulpit was made for this purpose. You can't use this in a nightclub. You can't take this to a library. The only use of this pulpit is to preach the word of God. Amen. Next verse, verse 5. Then the Bible says, next verse, my dear, help, help me please. Verse 5. The next verse says, and Ezra opened the book. Now we open the iPad. So when our prophet comes up, he's going to open the iPad in the sight of all the people. Now look into brackets. For he was above all the people. That's why we make a stage. So that our prophet is above us when he's preaching. Are you there? You've gone home. And when he started preaching, the Bible says the people stood up. Now, if you come to church and join the preaching, I mean, from beginning to end, you never stood up. You, ne- you are never blessed by the preaching. You're always sitting down till the end. There's something wrong with you. Anybody who sits by somebody who is never, you see, when you are blessed, you stand up. When you are blessed, you stand up. You stand up and say, wow. Sometimes you have to stand up and say this. Hey. Sometimes you have to stand up and say, wow. Sometimes you have to stand up and say, you are preaching. I can't hear you say you are preaching. Yes, that's how to be. And I want to announce to the general, general, general middle area. That I want to see you standing. Why are you not blessed? Ask your neighbor, why are you not blessed? Verse 6. Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And the people answered and said, No, no, it's still not enough. The amen has to shake the building. The people answered and said, The people answered and said, We've not finished. With lifting up their hands. How come your hands are never lifted? I mean, when prophet is preaching, there's some things that warrant lifting of hands. I mean, are you in this church or do you go to another church? When the preaching is going on, there are some things which warrant a young man to stand up and lift up his two hands and, and, and try to catch or receive whatever is in the spiritual Wi-Fi. So if you are sitting by somebody, he doesn't lift up his hands. I mean, sometimes even you are writing notes, but a verse comes and before you realize, you see that one hand is lifted. That's how to behave in church. The Bible says, with lifting up their hands, then another one, they bow their heads. When prophet is praying, it's not time to be on your phone. You're supposed to, you're supposed to bow your heads. When there's a song that's being sung, 
You're supposed, when we are singing, let your glory fill this house. Let your presence fill my heart. When we are singing, Holy Spirit move. You're supposed to bow your heads. And the Bible says they worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is talking about kneeling down. Why do you go to a church that doesn't kneel down? Are you too big to kneel down and worship before God? How many of you understand the rules of engagement today? First of all, you are supposed to stand. Now stand and say you are preaching. Now you are supposed to, when you hear a word from the Lord, you are supposed to answer and say, And when you are blessed by something, you are supposed to lift two hands and say, I receive it. And finally, when the spirit is moving, you have to bow your head in reverence. And then greatest of all, when the Holy Spirit touches you, you are supposed to kneel down in the church and worship God with your face to the ground. Are you ready to receive the word of God? I can't hear you. Are you ready to receive the word of God? And the people answered and said, the people answered and said, on this side, answer and say, in the middle, on the side. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Hallelujah. Are you ready to sing it? Come on, stand into your feet and sing it. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Everybody singing, nothing, nothing is impossible. Is impossible when you trust in His word. Sing, hearken to the voice of Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm wilder than you at first love. Are you sure you are wilder than the person at first love? Tell the person you look a bit queenly. I don't know whether you are queenish. All right. You may be seated. Now. Hallelujah.
Father, thank you for your blessing, your spirit that is moving in our midst. We love you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks, Heavenly Father. Amen. You may be seated in heavenly places. All right. Now, I'm still preaching about first love. And um, today is just a very short exhortation. Because next week is Swollen Sunday. So, yes, next week is Swollen Sunday. And um, I just want you to understand the importance of Swollen Sunday to a first lover. Yes. To a what? First lover. Amen. So, next to Obadiah, chapter 1. Obadiah, chapter 1. Obadiah, chapter 1, and verse 21. Obadiah, chapter 1. And verse 21. Obadiah chapter 1 and verse 21. Amen. And saviors, saviors shall come up on Mount Zion. What? What? I didn't hear you. Saviors shall come on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Amen. In this prophetic scriptures. You don't have to understand all the things. Understand the part that is understandable. And the part you understand in this verse is that saviors shall come up on Mount Zion. Saviors shall come. Like people who save people will come up on Mount Zion. And we are Mount Zion. We have come to Mount Zion. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We have come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God. Hebrews 12.22 But ye are come No, verse 21 first. 21 And so terrible was the sight that Moses said I exceedingly fear and quake. Okay? All right, verse 20. Let's read from maybe it's 20. Verse 20, Hebrews 12. For they could not endure that which was commanded. All right, this was at Mount Sinai. If so much as a beast to touch the mountain. 
it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. So if any um, thing was to touch it, the mountain, that mountain, they would die. But it says in verse 22 that you, the believers, have come to Mount Zion. So Mount Zion is uh, a symbolic name for the church. Do you see? So when, when anytime you see Zion in the Bible, it applies to you. You can just apply it to yourself. All right? You have come to Mount Zion, okay, and to the city of the living God. Do you believe that? To the heavenly Jerusalem, not to the earthly Jerusalem, to the heavenly Jerusalem. you believe that? And then to an innumerable company of angels. Do you believe that there are innumerable company of angels? And then verse 23, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Do you believe that you are in the general assembly and the church of the firstborn? And then which are written in heaven. Do you believe your names are written in heaven? And then, we are all, and then to God, we've come to God, the judge of all. Do you believe that you've come to God and to the judge of all? And then to the spirits of just men made perfect. Whatever that means, it's also something important. And then verse 24, and to Jesus, we've also come to Jesus. Do you believe you've come to Jesus, who is the mediator of the new covenant? And to the blood of sprinkling, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Okay, so you've come to Mount Zion. That was verse 22. All right? Beautiful. Now, Obadiah chapter 1, verse 21 was a prophecy. Okay? And it says, And saviors shall come on Mount Zion. Remember, we were just reading about Mount Zion in Hebrews, that we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels, to Jesus the mediator to an innumerable company of angels and so on, to the sprinkling of blood. So we've come to these things and, but originally we came to Mount Zion. And now it says that saviors shall come up on Mount Zion, alright, to judge the Mount of Esau, alright, which is probably to bring judgment on the, on, on the world or whatever. Some, I don't know what Esau represents, but you can represent, what do you think it represents? That's what it represents, alright? But what the point is making and making is that there are saviors. Apart from Jesus being a savior, you are a little savior who is sent to save people and to help people. Amen. And I tell you, God is expecting you to help people. So next week, Sunday, it's like a kind of a joint effort, you know, where we all are moving uh, into uh, we, you know we, we, we stopped having Swollen Sunday here because of the problem of space. Now we had thousands of people who went back home when they came. So at that, at that time the church was up to these pillars here. Okay? And we didn't have all the balconies we have. So the church is much much bigger now. So now we have more space if you remember the swollen Sunday, people, everybody, people were sitting on stage and there were people outside, all the halls everywhere and then people, a lot of people just went away because there was nowhere to sit. So now we have here, we have even the tower that is coming up there. We have spaces all over there. So um, the, 
we are, we, are, we are expecting to harvest many souls to Jesus Christ. Amen. That is the reason for our living. Our living is for Jesus. There is no purpose in this life except to live for Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, some years ago, I went out for dinner with somebody. And um, <laughs> he, whilst, whilst he was eating, he said to me, uh, I have not been well. I have not been well, he told me. And he said, uh, I, I almost died. So I said, what is wrong with you? Then he described some type of cancer that he had, in, he had some surgery and so on. And then he described, I don't want to give the details, what happened, what, has, what happened to him. I was just looking at him because as a doctor, I knew the implications of the things he was saying. So then I asked him, well, um, how old are you? You see, then he said, oh, then he mentioned his age. And his age was exactly my age. Then I said, when, I see. So when were you born? So May 15th. Yeah, he said, he said same, almost the same birthday. It was my age. So I was looking at him and the disease that he was describing, I'm telling you as a doctor, I mean, I was just listening to him. I realized that, I mean, to be alive, you see, at any time is, is, is like it's like it's the grace not that it's like it is yeah, it is the grace you know I mean the other day a, f- a friend of mine was telling me my classmates who are dead you know this one died of this I'm talking about my classmates that I was in university with this one died of this. This one had this cancer. And then within three months, within seven months, the person was dead. And another one, this. And another one, somebody who was my neighbor. I mean, I was listening to all this. I said, hey. It's like uh, to be alive. It's, it's, it's a mercy and a grace. So if you are alive, you know, you must do something worth while worthy of being alive. And so I believe that um, uh, we are supposed to be saviors of men. And um, on, on Sunday, you know, everyone, you know, we are reviving our basing. Yeah, you see, our church, we, 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 we don't need cars here. We need buses. You know, a church which has a lot of cars, usually there are not many members. Yes. A church which has a lot of cars, there are not many members. We want members, not cars. Although we want you to have cars. Receive cars. Receive cars. Yes. But you see, what we need are buses. Yes. Buses with souls. So, I mean, you see that when you are serious... On Sunday, you park your car and then you are moving with the bus. Yeah. Bringing people 
to the house of the Lord, to serve the Lord. Amen. And Swollen Sunday, we will be moving from Swollen Sunday to a new realm called Status Tegidus. Yes. Very soon. <laughs> yes. So, the Swollen Sunday is practice. Well, I'll explain that one later. Amen. Will you enjoy it? Will you do it? Yeah. So it's a great blessing. Amen. Oh, please be seated. So, so on Sunday, God willing, next week Sunday, we are expecting thousands of souls to be saved. Now, instead of sending the souls to a crusade ground, where after the crusade ground, you explain to them that the church, you come, take transport, go left, go right, go straight, go to the front, to the back, and then you pass right, then you take another bus. When you come here with them, they know the way here. So, everyone is, um, show me your fruits, and I'll, and I'll know who you are. You know, I don't want you to be a beloved of somebody who is not a soul winner. Yes. Don't be a beloved of somebody who is not a soul winner. Because, I'll tell you why. How does soul winning affect marriage? How many want to know how soul winning affects marriage? Let me explain to you. You see, when you marry, this is the message. Oh, this, is the message this is the message. There's no like, later on, there's a new message, a message coming. This is the message. You see, in marriage, okay, there are many, excuse me to use the word, unnatural things that you have to do. Many unnatural things. When I say unnatural, like your nature, how you are made and how you are, you see, will not, it's not like that. And you, you are not naturally going to do certain things. And even if you seem to do them, for some time, it's not natural. It's a learned behavior. You know, then, after some time in marriage, your real nature will come forth. Because even though you may initially see only the right leg, there are two legs, and by all means, the left one will soon come forward. Do you see? Yes. So, so winning, let's say you, you come to church. We are, we are happy in the church. We don't, we don't really need anybody else to join us. Because we are, we are cool. Are you not cool? I mean, we have enough beloveds and around and we are happy. You get it? I mean, we have more than enough. Yeah. More than enough. So, so now God is telling us to do something unnatural. Yeah, unnatural. You know, to, to get people who are not naturally your friends. People who are not naturally part of your society. Part of your makeup. And you have to smile and flow in a certain way. And talk when you don't feel like talking. But one of the reasons why we don't like witnesses is because we don't feel like talking. 
How many realize that sometimes you don't feel like talking? Yes. It's, you are just, you just want to be quiet. Yeah. So it's like, you find that to be a soul winner is something not so natural to do. Because you are already saved. And if that person is not saved, it will not affect your salvation per se. It will affect your eternity. But even eternity, it will affect you in the sense that you'll be pushed more, maybe more to the outer darkness, but still you'll be in heaven. But more like you'll be at the border where the tidal waves come to carry people away. Mm-hmm. You have to secure your house carefully because the waves come and go, come and go. Things come and go over there. Are you with me? Beautiful. So, what I'm saying to you is that when you learn how to do things which are not natural, when you marry, like soul winning, when you marry, all the things that are not natural to you, when they present themselves, you're already disciplined and you're already trained in doing things which are not natural. For instance, if you don't like cooking, if you don't like cooking, do you see? If you are not into cooking, yes, it doesn't come to you naturally. When you are in the kitchen, you are more like, let's say, a carpenter who has been put in the kitchen and has been asked to work. Making stew or making salad or making banku or whatever you want. Tilapia is like a project of a higher order. Yeah. Now that, 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 that does not affect your eating because I've noticed people, there are people who really like eating who don't like cooking. I mean, I'm talking of girls. I'm talking of girls. It is what I've seen it before. There are many more unnatural things. Sex also is unnatural for some people. It's a bother. It's a bother to their nature. They feel disturbed. They feel harassed. They feel perturbed. They feel an intrusion. They feel like an arm robber or some invader has come around. Who is that invader? There are some wives who want to keep mosquitoes spray by their side. They can spray the biggest mosquito in their lives. So soul winning will help your marriage because it's shown that at least some unnatural things, unnatural in, not in the bad sense, but not, it's not a natural flow for you, you can do. To marry is different from having a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Boyfriend and girlfriend is just going out to eat here. Go there, do this. Oh, yeah, I love you, baby. Wow, baby. This and that and so on. That one is not a marriage. Marriage 
If you want to change the name of marriage, I'll give you a word you can use. Do you want another change? You can change the word marriage to work. Yes. That is why older people, when you suggest to them marriage at a certain point, they say, you know, this job I've done for so long. I cannot take this job. They see it as a job. Are you there? Is it amazing? Is it fantastic? That's why we have songs like, I will pay thee all. We are, it's trying to say that with time, I will pay thee all. I will be okay. With time, I will learn how to make what you like to eat. With time, I will learn how to be nice. Huh? With time, I will be like this. I will be like that. I'm from the village, but I will be a gentleman by, with time. All villager brothers, will you be a gentleman in time? Beautiful. All right. So, Swollen Sunday, which we will be introducing later, is something else called Status Tejidus. <laughs> now, tell your neighbor, we don't need cars, we need buses. We don't need cars, we need buses. Yes. Now, Obadiah chapter 1, verse 21, right, says that saviors, saviors shall come. Now, without first love, do you see, you cannot be a savior of men. Yeah. Because it takes energy. Energy. Yeah. It takes energy to be a first lover. Yes. Many men with pot bellies go for, not, I hope not in the church, but for little, smaller, energetic. Uh, whatever, yes. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a known thing. Yeah. What, are, what is the difference? It's the energy. Yeah. May you be a very active, you know, as a church, and we want to be very active, you know, we are the bride, though. Or you don't realize that we are the bride. Are you the bride of Christ or you are? What are you? We are the bride. We need an energetic bride. Yeah. Somebody who is, I mean, yeah. Flowing and not stiff in Christ. When you go for the honeymoon, 
the song that she was singing, she said, I don't know why she's singing such song because she's not married. She has not been for honeymoon before. She doesn't even have a beloved. But she said that when she entered the honeymoon room, she turned to her beloved and said, let me show you some real good loving. Give the Lord a shout of hallelujah. Small girls are wild. Let me show you, let me show you some real good loving. You know, I want us to tell Jesus we are his bridal. I don't think Jesus enjoys this queenly, kingly, emperor type of, I mean, status, dignified thing. One day I heard Reinhard Bonke preaching. And some people were challenging him. They asked him, can you tone down your voice? They asked him, can you please tone down? Because you shout too much. He told them, this is the tone down one. The what I'm shouting, that's the tone down one. This is the tone down one. Then he told the person some. He said that the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And then he was preaching. Then he stopped. He said, I want to remember the exact words that the Holy Spirit told me to tell the person. Yes. He stopped. Do you want to know what the Holy Spirit told him to tell the person who was telling him that he should tone down his... The person told him that God is not deaf, you know. He said, we are not deaf. We can hear you are shouting too much. So the Holy Spirit told him, shall I tell you? He said, dignity is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. Dignity. Wow. How many would like to get into your honeymoon suite and then the, your bride is very dignified? When she's going to change, excuse me, please. Excuse me, please. Can I have some space, please? Can I have some privacy? Hey! What privacy at this time? How does it help us? Dignity is not a fruit of the spirit. That's why we have love songs in the church. Oh yes. Oh yes. Because we are trying to stir up the first love feeling. And see, when once you apply to Jesus, it's like we are a church. There are other churches. There are other churches. But like Jesus is looking at, to see which church is 
happy, which church is like excitable, which church is flowing, which church wants him, which church wants him, which church likes him, which church is not tired of him, which church wants more of him, which church is happy to stay with him for a long time, which church is very excitable and flowing. Yeah. I mean, which church is shouting? Listen. One day I went to a certain country whose name begins with an M. And I was walking in the hotel. That's where our host put us. A nice hotel. Walking. But I think the walls of the hotel were made of, I don't know whether they are made of uh, cardboard or I don't know what. (laughs) Hey! We were walking in the corridor and we started to hear some noises. And we said, somebody is dying here. Nobody was dying. Some lovers were inside the room there. (laughs) You see? (laughs) And I tell you, since I was born, I've never heard something like this before. Oh, yes. Soon there was a congregation standing in the corridor. Listen, sir. Hey. You know, I believe that Jesus and outsiders will be standing outside wondering now, what is going on in there? What is going on in there? Lovers, lovers of God are inside the church, happy and excited about love for God, interest in God, interest in God. Yes. Yes. And we express our love for God by taking an interest in what He is interested in. God so loved the world, so much love He has for the world, that He gave His only begotten son this is his great interest yeah this world of lost souls you know I'll tell you no matter how important a person is always find out what the person is interested in yes you know when you are with an important person you may not know that the person has also an interest or a need. An interest or a need. Yes. Asking or showing interest, genuine of course, not lent. Oh. I wanted to ask you about the industry. It's not, it's not real. Uh, (laughs) you have learned something you are saying 
but showing genuine interest in what a person is doing will make the person interested in you. Oh, yes. Why? Because important people are like, uh, they are like, um, they are like uh, something that like leeches stick to them to suck. I don't know what do leeches stick onto usually. But I saw Rambo when they caught him, he was put in some water and there were leeches all on his body. They were sucking his blood. Yeah. That's how an important person is. With leeches sucking the blood. Everybody's interested in his little drink of blood of the person's life. And feeding of the person's life. Yes. Yes. You think people love the president? Or love the people that are in power? Oh. Watch the day they are not in power. Their visitation, I mean the visitors to their houses, their cars, everything will finish just now. One day I went to the golf course. A lot of the caddies were rushing around. I just turned to them and said, none of you love me. You just want money. You don't love me. Yes. That's how God feels. We all come. We don't really love him. We want something from him. Showing an interest in the person uh, and what he's interested in will make the person know you and will make the person love you. Are you there? Sit down. Number 21 of first love. I don't really know why I have not written a book about this. Songs of Solomon chapter 3 verse 1 By night on my bed Matara mashobalaza I sought him whom my soul loved mm. I sought him but I found him not When people have passed their first love they don't even sleep in the same bed They don't even sleep in the same room or they go to bed at different times. So when you seek in your bed, you will not find the person. I'm telling you things as advice. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets, in the broadways. And I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me, to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth. Amen. Now, what did he say? I will. Let's start from verse 1 because today is a very short message. It says, by night on my bed, I sought him. You know, seek God sometimes in the night. When you wake up in the middle of the night, seek for God. Rarely do you find 
lovers who don't love or express their love in the night. It's almost like the night drives away everybody else so that I can concentrate. That's why the phone companies are giving free night calls. Free night bundles. Midnight bundles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts after midnight. Special what? Mm. Midnight packages. 12 to 4. Yes. In the night, by night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loved. I see you walking in the night, huh? lifting your hands, praying to the one whom your soul loves. I see you spending a special 30 minutes in the middle of the night to speak to God. Yeah. You've woken up to wee wee, but has not occurred to you that. And you are going back to pray and to sleep. It has not occurred to you that you can speak to God in the middle of the night. In the night, I sought him whom my soul loved. I sought him, but I found him not. Because many times when you seek, you don't find. So the Lord blesses you to find. So begin from now. You see, flow prayer meeting is a special thing. And the best part is the beginning. Those of you who join at 6.30. Oh, by that time, so much has happened. So much has happened. You just joined at the end. Yes. And there are certain things that are intentionally done at the beginning so that those who will not be there should not be there. By night on my bed. So the floor prayer meeting, I met people from all over the world who say, we join floor prayer meeting. Yes. So, beginning from now, eh, instead of following that foolish boy who is taking you nowhere, follow Jesus. Spend 20 minutes, you and your God. Yes, in the night, you and your God. You're waking up to wee-wee. Use it at that time. You go somewhere, just speak to God about something important. Walk up and down. Pray on something that is a burden in your heart. Learn how to love God by speaking to him. You know, a lot of love is expressed by talking. A person you talk to, even if the person is not beautiful, you, before you realize you are liking the person. Yes. There's more than one thing that makes a person attractive. One of the things, main things is talking. A person who you can talk to, you will like. That's why people develop love affairs in offices when they go and they talk to people at work. Yeah. You're all looking at me, stranger, looking like I don't know what I'm saying, whatever. You don't understand what I'm saying. It sounds so mysterious and it's like you're just staring. <laughs> A 
A man cannot say that you love your wife if you don't talk with her. He cannot. He cannot. You cannot say you love her. So you have sex with her. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, another type. No talking, also no love. Oh, yes. No talking, no love. Are you there? Beautiful. Sit down. I will rise now. That's exactly when you are sitting. says, I will rise now. And I will go about the city in the streets. And in the broadways, I will seek him whom my soul loveth. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you are doing it unto me. Huh? Whatever you do to the least of my brethren, that is what you are doing unto me. You are doing it to me. Amen. So that is why they asked. Jesus said in Matthew 25, in as much as you have done it, to the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now, who are the least of my brethren? His brethren are his souls walking on the streets. So one of the ways to express your first love is to get up and go out onto the streets. He said, I will rise now. And go about the city. I'm going through Accra. And in the streets. I'll go to the streets and the corners. And in the broadways. In the schools. In the universities. In the schools. Everywhere. And I will seek him whom my soul loveth. Who is, who is my soul loveth? Whatsoever you do to the least of my brethren, you are doing it to me. So the smallest nobody, you are doing it to Jesus. The smallest nobody whom you show love to by winning the person to Jesus and bringing and establishing the person in Christ and in church, you are doing to Jesus the least of my brethren. Yes. I will rise now. So every first lover, Songs of Solomon is a song of first love. I will rise now. So a first lover gets up, okay, goes about the city and the streets and through the broadways seeking, seeking souls, seeking souls whom my soul loves. You must love whom Jesus loves. That's what I say. Try to show an interest in what God loves. Don't be so selfish. One of the difficult people to live with is a selfish person. A person whose mind is on only himself. You know, God made men and women differently. We are different. Even physically, we are different. 
we are, we are different. It's amazing that human beings are today want to do operations to change the sex of someone. But you know, God made people differently. We are so different. What women think about is completely different. Completely. And what men usually think about is completely different. We are so different. So when we meet, it's almost like, you know, people from different countries. Or not, maybe not even countries, but completely different, different desires and interests. Even though we do similar things, they are for different reasons. The man is having a wedding with the woman and they are getting married. But it's for different reasons. This one wants to wear a ring, wants to give birth, wants to have a child, give birth, blah, blah, blah. This one wants to have sex. I mean, it's the same activity, but different aims. The things in our hearts and the reasons why we are doing the things are different, but it's the same thing. That our visions collide in that we can get married for it. But after one person's visions have been accomplished, do you see? Let's say the child is there, the ring is there, the wedding picture is there, the societal acceptance is there, right? The children are there. Name has been changed. You are Mrs. whatever. Then that's her needs are met early. So if your needs are met early, then you are left with this one who still has needs which are going on like Abraham on and on, on and on, 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 and on. The needs are going on. Abraham was 90 years old and he was able to give birth to Isaac. But after that, he married again a wife of his old age and she was able to stir him up and he gave birth to another six children with Keturah. Yes. His energy came when he got a younger wife. The older wife was killing his zeal. So the point that I'm trying to make is that, are you listening? We are so different. So when you marry, you have, when selfishness is real, you see a woman by a man, she has no idea what he needs. And doesn't want to know. And even if she knows, he won't do. It's like, what is this? It's not necessary. What are all these? We cannot be suffering for forever. What are these? Open and close. Open and close. What is this? Then you have a man who stands by a woman and has no idea of what a woman likes. And honestly, it takes education to know what a woman wants and needs. What she is, this is what she likes. This is what she likes. This is what she wants. If you don't learn it, you will not know it. Yeah. 
To marry is to be educated. Yes, you'll be educated as you go along. Now, what am I saying? I am saying that, I am saying that, are you there? I am saying that selfish inward looking, just myself and my needs, is a horrible thing to be with somebody like that. It's really horrible. Because you realize that the person doesn't get it at all. The person doesn't understand at all what you are feeling, what you are needing. Yeah. It's difficult to live with, in such things. Amazing. Now, we can have a church where we are always preaching. Oh, God is giving you a car. He's giving you a Mercedes. He's giving you this. He's giving you that. You are traveling. You are doing this. Those are our needs. Those are our needs. But what did Jesus say in Matthew 11 and verse 28? What did Jesus say? Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. And verse 29, take my yoke. Take my problems. You see, Jesus also has a yoke. You come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You know? Come to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You know? It's like we have a problem or a yoke or whatever. But he says, come and then take my issues on you. Take my issues, okay, on you. And learn of me. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest. So Jesus calls you to take his problem. Somebody was saying to me, you know, Bishop Doug is not uh, preaching about our needs. And I'm saying that, look, these are your needs that we are solving. Taking you out of your inward lookingness and your selfishness, self-concern of only your life to the concerns of Jesus Christ. Why he came to the world has created something called church which we open the Bible and read and tells us, marry this one, behave like this, do this, do this, do this. It's from his blood that the church has come to exist. It's through his blood that the church exists today. So, we, to be a good first lover, you must be able to turn your attention away from yourself and turn your attention to Jesus and his needs. What he cannot do for himself. Now, people are executed all the time. People are executed. There's executions that go on all the time. When executions go on in China, how many have read, heard of executions in China? How many have heard of executions in America? I mean, like you know somebody who's been executed. You personally know somebody? You don't know anybody? Ah, what about executions in India? People have been executed, like death sentence, been carried out. Or death sentence carried out in Singapore. When I was going to um, Malaysia, I think it's Malaysia, they announced on the plane that if you are carrying drugs, uh, the, death sent- the penalty is a death sentence. So 
It's just for, and that was when they were saying it when we were landing. So if you are even carrying it, you can't even change your mind. But they announced it on the plane as part of the announcements for arrival. That if you, drugs, you don't want drugs and so on. If you carry it, death sentence. I think it's Malaysia. I'm not sure. You know. But um, does anybody know anybody who's been executed in Malaysia? Anybody know someone who's executed in Indonesia? All this kind. They execute people all the time. You will not easily hear of executed people. Now, Jesus Christ was executed with criminals. He went through the execution. He was executed on some forgotten hill somewhere with some thieves. Now, how, how will anybody hear about this execution? <laughs> I'm saying that there are more current executions going on. There are recent executions. Executions in different countries. India, China, everywhere. I don't know if you know anyone's name or anybody who's been executed. When something like that happened and Jesus Christ was executed, the point is that no one will ever know about it. So that is why he said to his disciples, go into the world and then tell people, you know, about me and what has happened in this little corner here. Nobody knows about it. No one will ever hear about it. It depends on us to make as much noise about what has happened. Yes. That's what we are here for. It depends on us going out there to let the whole world know that once upon a time, God so loved the world and he sent his only beautiful son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world. And he came and lived amongst us. And the word became flesh. And we saw him full of grace and truth. But men love darkness more than they love the light. And they did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. How wonderful it is to have had such a savior. But after three years, Jesus, who had 12 disciples, had amongst them a traitor. A traitor is a person you trust. And the person you trust disappoints you badly. And that Judas, whom he trusted, betrayed him to the Pharisees and other religious pastors. And they arrested him. And charged him with false accusations <laughs> and he answered not a word but the Jews could not kill him by themselves because it was not lawful for them to just kill people so they took him to the Romans who were the government of the day they were the government and when they took him to the government they presented him and the governor just like how we had God in Gajisberg, uh, the governor of Ghana, they presented it to the case. And the 
governor was called Pilate, Pontius Pilate. And Pilate said, I can't find anything wrong with this man. There are plenty of things you are saying. I can't see them. <laughs> are you there? Yes. I don't find any problem with this man. And then, at a point, he started to hear a voice saying that if you do not crucify this man, you are not a friend of Caesar. And you know, for politicians, you know, it's really something for them. Yes. So Pilate decided to try to get out of the fix. The other thing was that his wife sent him a message that she had had a very terrible dream that he shouldn't have anything to do with this guy. So he desperately took some, brought a prisoner who was well known for wickedness. And he knew that there is no way that this man could compare with this man. And he brought them to Jesus. He brought the man to stand by Jesus and presented to the Jews. This is a story. It's a story we have to tell over and over and over and over again. I thank God for the Catholics. They never stop saying this story. And by an astonishing decision, probably the most astonishing decision ever taken by human beings, they said they prefer Barabbas. (laughs) Yes. They prefer Barabbas to Jesus Christ. And Pilate could not believe this. Yes, he, he lost that one. And then the people started to shout and say, we have no other king but Caesar. Because he told them, this is your king. He said, no, 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 no. Our king is Caesar. Look, these are people who hated being ruled by the Romans. He said, no, we have no king. The only king we have Pilate asked, should I crucify your king? No! Our king is Caesar. In an astonishing and amazing decision out of blind wickedness, malice, hatred, they said that their king is Caesar. And these two decisions that we have no king but Caesar and that give us Barabbas have ruled the Jews for 2,000 years. They have been ruled by Caesars and Barabbases. Have been released among them to steal and to kill until the last Barabbas and Caesar was Hitler. We have no other, we, this is what we need. We need Caesar. So Jesus was given up and he was taken to a hill. And when you go to Jerusalem, you walk on the Via Dolorosa, you will notice that it keeps, the Via Dolorosa, Via is in Italian, Via is way, dolo, dolor, pain, dolorosa, Via Dolorosa, painful way, way that is painful. Dolor in French, eh? Is it correct? Where is she? Is it correct? Dolor? 
Uh, Dole, Dolorosa. Via Dolorosa. So when, you, when we go to Jerusalem, if, you, if I get a chance to do with you, we go, we go through Jerusalem like that. And we keep going up slowly, it's gentle, until you go up to Calvary, to the top there. And there, we have the cross. And Jesus was made to put his cross there. And he was crucified, the Bible says, in Isaiah uh, 53, says he was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered, like when you say transgressors, number 14, number 15, number 16, number 17. He was numbered. Look at the scripture, underline it. He was numbered. The people you are numbered with are very important for your life. The people you are numbered with. Are you numbered? I'm no more numbered with specialist doctors, surgeons, and whatever. I'm numbered with pastors. You'll be numbered with ministers of God. He was numbered with the transgressors. Now they put Jesus up and he was in the midst. So everyone passing, he had no chance of explaining that. Look, I'm not a thief. I know the person on my right is a thief. And I know this guy on the left is a thief and so on. And I know that based on how things are, you all think that I'm a thief. He had no chance. The Bible says that he was silent. He was silent as a lamb. Yes, like a lamb. He was silent before his, those who were killing him in Isaiah 53. This was written long before Jesus came. Amen. Oh, yes. In verse 7, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. See, when a sheep is standing before the people that are going to cut off his hair and do whatever, he, he is dumb, doesn't say a word. So he openeth not his mouth. He never defended himself. Wow. Yes. So they nailed him on the cross. And after being on the cross for three hours. You know, you know how it is when you are watching a film and they are killing the bad man, isn't it? I don't want to ask you a question that you lie about, but how many have sometimes wished that the killing goes slowly so that he dies painfully, like the bad man in the film? How many have wanted a bad man to, yeah. So it's like sometimes in killing people, they don't kill them instantly, but slowly enough, for it to really pay. That's why he hung on the cross. So that he would die slowly. Yes. He would die slowly. But God was merciful to him. And he died quickly. Yeah. Now, when the soldiers themselves were tired, Charlie, it's evening. We have to go. And said, we can't leave these people. They are not yet dead. They are still breathing. Look at this guy. He's still breathing. So they decided that... You know, one of, the, one of the ways, you know, when people have accidents, their bones break. And when the bones break, they bleed inside. So all the blood of the person comes out through the inside the broken bones. Yes. So you, because you have only five pints of blood in you, that is inside your blood vessels. So if, if you can break one and, and it comes out, then you can die. And so when Jesus was on the cross, they couldn't they, they, they were not sure. These people are not dead. These people are not dead. 
So they will go and break the legs. Do you see? So that as they break the legs, both from the pain and then the blood that is released inside, the person would die from more blood loss. So they went to the other prisoners and broke their legs. Because Jesus, then when they came to Jesus, he's already dead. But just to be, make assurance, double sure, you know, they put a sword into his stomach, do you see, and turned it around, and then the blood and the water came out. So Jesus shed his blood in five places on his head where they put the crown of thorns, and then on his fingers, his hands where they nailed, and on his feet where they nailed, and then with a sword that went into his stomach. And then the fifth place he shed his blood was when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he cried tears that was blood. He said he shed tears that was blood. And all this blood came out of Jesus. All this blood came out of Jesus. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so this amazing thing that has happened. Now, Jesus, who is the subject of this execution, okay, after three days, uh, after three days, to everyone's amazement, his body disappeared. Because it looks like God took the same body. Yes. And revived the body and turned it into a supernatural body. Yeah, so the body vanished. Okay, now, no one knew why this man, because he had died, everybody, his funeral, everything. You know, in the Middle East, when you die, you know, they bury you. Many countries, when you die today, tomorrow, you are buried. Canopies will be in the house. I was in a church in Malaysia pre- preaching one day, and there was a man shouting about the church. We were parking in front of his house, and so he was angry, shouting. He just had a heart attack in front of the, the gate. He just had a heart attack right in front of him. By the evening, it was Sunday morning, by evening there was canopies in his house. Oh, yes. So, be careful when you are shouting at the church. Because the church people were parking in front of his house. His house is near the church. Yeah. So, when Jesus died, no, the funeral was held, finished. One, two, three, four, it's gone. Buried. But after three days, they sent soldiers to go and stand. They said, this man said he will rise. But he rose from the dead. And he appeared. He saw Mary Magdalene. You know, the pastors, you know, you will never be sufficient without the people that God chooses. And God doesn't choose people who you like. He chose Mary Magdalene. When he came back to this earth, eh, he just spoke to Mary Magdalene. He said, go and tell these guys, Peter, the, the important people that I say they should come to Galilee. I will see them there. Now, they went to Galilee. And you know what? John chapter 21, Jesus sat. There's somebody who's been there, buried. He sat and had a detailed discussion with them. Peter, do you love me? If you love me, do this. What do you, you like me? Oh, a dead person. Like details of the words. You know, it's, it's one thing to say that a person is alive. And it's another thing to dis- write down the conversations you've had with a dead person. Yes. So he's risen from the dead. Mm, are you sure? But now you not only risen from the dead, 
the details of what he said. And one of the things he said was, go into the world and preach there. Tell people about me. Tell people about what I've done. So this story, which is really in a certain sense, not such an unusual story, because many people have been executed and many people have been betrayed. But Christians have been faithful to the centuries to go around and be telling this story over and over and over. They came to Ghana and came to tell this story. They went to Keta. They went to Keta. They went to uh, Equape Mountains. They came to Mampong. They came to uh, Abetifi. They came to Tamale. They went to Bogota. They've been all over the world to say this story, the story of Jesus. The story is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story, the story of Jesus. They went around, they keep on telling, 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 telling. It's been 2,000 years of telling this story. And it's our turn now to tell this story very well. Very well. We have to tell this story very well. Jesus is the savior of the world. He came, he lived, he preached, he died, he was executed, and he rose from the dead. Yes. And it is those who love Jesus and those who love him so much that they will say faithfully what he's told them to say. They will be special before God. In fact, they will shine as the stars forever. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and forever. Yes. In conclude in conclusion. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 14. Yes. It says, "How can they call on him in whom they have not believed?" I'm talking about Swollen Sunday. How can they call on him? You see the story I'm telling you? Is it not a wonderful story? You see, even though you know the story, when I'm telling you the story, see that it is a story. It's a wonderful story. It's an amazing story. I mean, there are times when I preach at crusades, I just, I just tell the story of Jesus. Just start from the beginning, say what happened. He came, then this happened, and he preached, and this went on. Just say the same story. Just tell the story. Yes. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You are a preacher today. You are a preacher today. And if nobody will listen to you on Swollen Sunday, somebody is going to listen to you. Amen. Oh, yes. Somebody is going to listen to you on Swollen Sunday. And one member, five souls, Oh, some of you are, this five souls thing is a small thing, but I'm better than five souls. I'm better than five souls. Five souls. I mean, one sister was bringing a bus with seven buses. Uh, Joel, where is that sister? Where is she? The sister. I need that sister. Yes. Yes. Swollen Sunday. Yeah, get a mic and come here. One sister, seven buses. Huh? 
Two saviors. Little savior. We had a swollen Sunday. And which year were you? Where, where were you? I was in the University of Ghana. University of Ghana? Third year. You were a lecturer in the University No, yeah. I was a student. You were a student. <laughs> I was in my third year. Third year. And we had a swollen Sunday. And you brought seven people. Yes, seven buses. Seven buses. Each bus had about 12 people. Each bus had... This little girl brought... Tw- seven buses. She's a little savior. Is she not a little savior? How are you able to organize seven buses of souls? First thing was I prayed a lot. You prayed a lot. Yes. Seven steps to getting seven buses. <laughs> Step number one, pray a lot. <laughs> Everything by prayer. Step number two. A lot of outreach. So knocking on doors personally. Talking. A lot of outreach. <laughs> Tell them. Yes. Oh, please. Don't be intimidated. <laughs> yes, they are jealous of you. That, that's the uh, truth. That's the truth. Step number three. So, a lot of follow-up as well. A lot of follow-up. You follow-up. Follow-up, yes. Yes. Um, and then you, you got five, seven bus drivers. Yes, you went to the bus station. Yes, please. No, I didn't get seven bus drivers. I got four of them, but they did and they went, went, they, and, came they went and came. Four buses, but yes, they went and yes. came. So some of them went twice. Yes. So she actually had four buses. Some went and came, and then twice. So that became seven. And at that time, did you have a beloved? No, I didn't. No, no beloved. Has God provided a beloved? Yes, please. <laughs> what? More than a beloved. And she has more than a, she has a husband. Oh, you have a husband now? Is that a... Hey! <laughs> wow. The God of Swollen Sundays will provide for you your beloved and will provide for you a husband. Yes. Seven buses, a small girl. Yes. The God of Swollen and next week she's going to be wild on it again if you could do that when you didn't have a beloved now that God has provided for you I don't know what you are going to do sister wow thank you thank you give the Lord a clap offering so brothers and sisters you know somebody is asking so you bishop where is your bus you see, some people are cheeky. Some people are cheeky. Yeah. I think the people on that side who are sitting down, there are some people there who are sitting down. I think there are people on that side who are sitting down. Yeah. Now, I want you to know that my bus is your bus. I have shares in every bus. And I want you to know, huh? the shepherd is supposed to feed the sheep so that the sheep will give birth and we'll be catching the babies. We'll be catching the babies. Hallelujah. So now, God is blessing you. If you cannot bring a bus, you can Uber bring the, in an Uber or a boat 
but we prefer buses. Yes, but if you, we can Uberize the people, bring them. We are moving to status tegidus. Yes. You see, COVID thought that he could wipe out churches. But we shall not be wiped out by the grace of God. Every standing. Every standing. Now, have I finished reading the scripture? No. How shall they hear without a preacher? And verse 15 is the verse we're looking for. And how shall they preach except they've been sent? So I am sending you. As my father has sent me, so send I you. As it is written, how beautiful. How what? Beautiful. Another word is flourishing, blooming. Your feet will be blooming feet. All girls want new shoes. And I'm telling you that your feet are beautiful. First of all, they'll be spiritually beautiful. And you'll never, you'll never lack shoes. More shoes. I mean, God will be bringing you. And, and you see, when somebody comes to your house and sees so many shoes, and the person asks you that, what are you doing with these shoes? You explain to the person, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring good time? God has made my feet beautiful because of the souls I've been winning. That's how come I have all these shoes. Your feet will be beautiful. Yes. How lovely. How lovely. That's when you start becoming nice to God. And you, you, you'll be asking, so why do you like this girl? Look, attractiveness is not just your features. There's something else that makes a person attractive. Oh, yes. That, you know, I, I, I often find that people don't understand why God likes certain men of God. Why God blesses certain men of God. I, I, I've noticed it. It's like it shouldn't be this person. Yeah. No, not this guy. Not this guy. But you see, how lovely. How beautiful. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of them who bring goodness. A, a soul winner will always be God's special person. You know, in Isaiah, it also says the same thing. Isaiah 52, I believe it is. Have they found it? How beautiful, yes. How beautiful. Yes. Hmm. Beautiful. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good tidings. From today, you'll be attractive to God. People will be asking, why, why does God like you? Why does God like you? Wow. Why does God like you so much? Why does God like you so much? Receive that question. Receive that question. Why does God like you so much? Hallelujah. Father, I pray for my children that you've given to me. Bless 
everyone with a good spirit, Lord. A good spirit. A soul winner's heart. A God-lover's heart. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Jesus. How lovely, how beautiful are the feet. May even our feet be beautiful to you, Lord. Make us the greatest soul-winning church to the very end. Not just for not just for this year, not just for now. Revive in us a determination never to stop winning souls as long as we have the opportunity. In the name of Jesus Christ. May we be attractive to you, Lord. May you like us, Lord. May, may we make you happy with our soul winning activities. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Let Swollen Sunday turn into status tegidus. Let souls be won and permanently belong to your house. Never to go back. Never to be lost. That we may say with Jesus that of all that thou hast given me, I have lost none. Thank you, Father, for this blessing. In Jesus' name. And everyone shouted, Amen. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you want to give your life to Jesus this afternoon, let's pray. Maybe somebody invited you to church. Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to God. Wherever you are, every standing. If you want to give your life to Jesus, lift up your hands and I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. Pastor, help me to know God. Help me to know Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. If you are here like that, lift your hand like this quickly. God bless you. God bless. I want to pray with you before we close. God bless you. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Lift it up high. Pastor, pray with me. I want to be born again and I want to give my life to God. If you've lifted your hand, wherever you are standing, wherever you are, I want to give your life to Jesus. Come with your hand lifted up. Come from where you are standing. Come all the way. Come, 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 come to me. Come, come all the way. Come from the back, come from everywhere. Go freely, it will provide your healing. Come Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. I open my heart and I receive Jesus 
as my savior and my master. Please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Now, I want you to follow this sign. Look at this. Look at it. Follow me. Follow. They are going to give you something, a special gift from me. Go this way. They are going to give. Put your hands together for them as they go. Take your Holy Communion. John chapter 6 and verse 50. Take your Holy Communion. Now the Bible says, Jesus took the bread and he said, this is the bread which comes from heaven, which a man may eat thereof and not die. How many want to live and not die? Can you imagine what Jesus said? This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. Father, as we come before your throne, let life enter everyone. We may eat and not die. The body and the bread of Jesus Christ. May you eat and not die. The body of Jesus Christ. Now, the blood. Whatever represents a sin or a mistake in your life, Listen, look at me. How many have committed a sin and you feel that the harvest of the sin is coming? The harvest of your sin is coming. Today, by this blood, may the harvest of your sins, may the harvest fail. May the harvest fail. Lord, let the blood speak. Let the blood argue. Let the blood discuss. Let the blood explain. Let the blood speak better things than the blood of Abel. Let the blood negotiate on our behalf. Grant us divine escapes from our own wickedness and our own sins. Thank you, Father. The blood of Jesus Christ. Now, lift your hands for your blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord remember you. May the Lord dry out all characteristics and qualities that tend to poverty. In the name of Jesus. The Lord set you free from curses. I stretch out my hand and I bless you. Be blessed and be healed. Put your hand on your body. Every sickness, every cancer, every curse, every developing diagnosis, every developing condition, every frightening news. Namato marena shamanda ramana kada. 
we, re- we curse it we reject it in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord give you peace the Lord give you healing the Lord give you life you are crossing 70 with ease I declare you are crossing 70 with ease in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus any accident or bad news that is coming near you I repel it and I say go, go, three times go, go away in the name of Jesus Christ you'll be hearing good news from now to the end of the year you'll be getting good jobs from now to the end of the year you'll be revitalized from now to the end of the year you'll be restored from now to the end of the year the Lord fight against those who fight against you the Lord contend against those who contend against you and the Lord give you peace may he make his face shine upon you may he bless you to fulfill your visions and dreams visions and dreams of your life the Lord give you peace the Lord bless you the Lord remember you and the Lord help you in Jesus name let me hear your loudest amen you may be seated God bless you for listening to this message visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages information on upcoming events and so much more Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.